Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Thank you so much, Pastor Dean. Thank you so much, Pastor Patty. We love your pastors. Um, we love this church. We so look forward to coming here. Um, we've this is, I think, our third time, and we just get so excited to be coming to minister here and just get to be with you all. And of course, our friends, Taylor and Colby, we love them. And uh, it's a blessing we got to bring our baby boy with us this morning. So baby Benaya in the house today, he's sleeping. So woohoo, yay, yay. Uh, But it is a blessing to be in this house. It's a blessing to be in the house of God no matter what time it is. And to be able to be here on a Sunday morning, um, getting to praise his name and lift him up. And I love that today is, yes, Thanksgiving is this week, but that this this Sunday you all have deemed as Thanksgiving Sunday. That we have a heart and a mind of thankfulness to God. That he is on our mind continually, that we praise him, that we thank him. And as I shared this morning before Maurice gets up, I know he has a word from God to share with you today. Um, But I just want to give some testimonies about what God has been doing in Kenya, Africa this year. And I say this with all thankfulness, right? We are thankful to God that he is moving, that he is working, that he is continually changing lives around the world. In Columbia, Louisiana, and in Kenya, Africa, right? Amen. Amen. We had the privilege this year of leading over 3,200 people to Jesus Christ. And we also had the blessing of planting seven churches. And it was just an incredible time of ministry. Um, I was pregnant all year. And so it was very different. It was very different this year. So I didn't get to go out with Maurice as much, but we had teams coming in. You know, 2020, we didn't get to have teams. 2020, everything kind of shut down, right? So 2021, we had teams come in like a vengeance. We had people that were like, I missed last year, so I'm coming twice this year. So we're like, yeah, bring it on. You're welcome. So we had teams coming in. We had ministry, um, thing after thing going on. So Bowman ministry, going out. This is where we preach to people most of the time that have never heard of Jesus. Sometimes they've heard um, who Jesus is, but they're, of course, not saved. Just like here, you go door to door, right? And so going to their homes and telling them about Jesus. Um, We had services. We had our Bible college, our students. We graduated 36 students out of our Bible school. So these are preachers that are ready to go out. And go in those churches and pastor and preach and just light Kenya on fire for God. So very, very exciting. Um, We had a couple of deep bush camping ministries. So I don't know. I'm sure I've shared with you. uh, We live in the bush, okay, the bush of Africa where there's like zebras and, and giraffe and all of that, okay. But then we go into the deep bush. So imagine like even further in the woods, okay really deep. We take pop-up tents. We live in a tent, but we take pop-up tents. We go out as far as we feel like we need to go, and we kind of make connections in the area, and we set up a temporary camp. And from that temporary camp, we go out each day, and we preach in Maasai villages. Maasai tribe is who we minister to primarily, okay? These people have never seen white people, and they've never heard of Jesus. They have no roads going to them, a lot of them, not a road. They have no idea. So when we show up, we actually had some run because they thought we were the police. I mean, they really, they, these are not people that have encountered tourists before, okay? These, they're like way out there. So me, pregnant, that was interesting, um, going out there over no roads. So anyway, we're driving out, and we get out to, we get out to, the, to these bomas, and we get to share with them about Jesus. The very first boma we went to, a witch doctor was saved. Yeah, 
witch doctor was saved. We, I think we had a couple witch doctors saved during that ministry. We had people that were, that were lame, that were healed, for the, for, that God just miraculously healed right there. That were lame, that were sitting there with their legs, they couldn't stand up, and Jesus healed them. That's the power of God. It's amazing. And then we were able to come back up out a, week, a month later. I don't say we. I went, I went in June. I was not able to go in July. Maurice went out in July and camped out near that area and went out from there and went to more Bomas and more Bomas and, and again, just miracle after miracle. And we are so thankful that God hears us. We are so thankful that God cares. We are so thankful that, yes, when we give our heart to Jesus, that isn't the end of the story. Okay, we're now we're going to heaven and that's it. We have a life on this earth. And when we are sick and when we are hurting, when we are broken, he comes for us. And he hears us. And when we ask him, he answers. Amen? Amen. In June um, this year, amidst all of this, we were in, I think there's a picture. Um, it was right after we had a deep bush ministry and a, that witch doctor was saved, all of that. And uh, we were coming back out of the, out of the Masamara game reserve area. We were on the tarmac road. So we were actually on a good road at this point. And my husband's grandfather was driving. I was in the front seat. And because I was in my third trimester at this point, I had all these pillows, okay, I was sitting on. Because it's really bumpy in Kenya. So sitting on all these like cushions, which is funny. Okay, and then Maurice is sitting behind me and his grandmother's next to him. And we're driving down the road and all of a sudden the car in front of us comes to almost a complete stop abruptly. So my husband's grandfather, you know, you're on, we drive on the left side of the road, hit the brakes, swerved so that we wouldn't hit him head on. And as we turned, as we swerved to the left, we did a 180 in the road. Well, in Kenya, there aren't really shoulders or anything like that. So then there was just this steep drop-off to our left. So we're going this way, hit the brakes, swerve, do a 180, and then we roll a couple times. Um, we weren't wearing seatbelts. You don't wear seatbelts very often over there. We weren't wearing seatbelts. My husband actually was sitting behind me, and when he saw that we were getting ready to roll, actually jumped forward and grabbed me and held me in my seat and held me as we flipped. Um, kept me from flying everywhere. The windshield broke out. Our windows broke out. My husband's shoes were off of his feet. Our luggage was all out of the vehicle, out strewn everywhere. Uh, I think your wallet came somehow out of your pocket, out of his pocket, and was out, I think, all like cards and everything everywhere. All four of us were in the car. Nobody, of course, flew out. The windshield not coming in. We didn't have glass all over us. We did have a couple of scrapes and everything. We landed on our tires, and Maurice pulled, got himself out. Our frame is all bent, so he was able to get himself out, came to my door and pulled me out of the vehicle, took me over to the ditch, and we laid down. And I think I was like 29 weeks pregnant. Right before this wreck, I mean, I'm in the car on the, on the road reading an article about fetal death and the percentage of death and how most babies that do die um, while in utero are from car accidents and, the, you know, what kind of car accidents. So, I mean, right now in this moment, I mean, I just remember reading that right article like five minutes ago. I mean, just sure, there is no logical way. First of all, no logical way that we would have lived, but no logical way that my baby is alive. None. 
So when Maurice pulls me out of the vehicle, we lay down in the ditch, and we're in, we're in you know, the middle of nowhere. And he lays me down, and he starts praying over me and praying in the spirit over me and Benaiah. And right there, Benaiah kicked like three times. Like, hello, I'm here. Don't do that again. But I'm here. I'm fine. So rushed to the hospital. We got in the ambulance, and we rushed to the hospital. Still not sure if there was any other complications, but we knew he was alive. We knew he was alive. And I can't tell you how just, oh, that feeling of him kicking in that moment, that reassurance. And when we got out of the hospital, um, I didn't have any broken bones. My husband's grandmother did have some broken bones. We were all kind of uh, beat up, but nothing major, which is a miracle. And we were in the hotel. We had to stay for a couple of weeks. I had follow-up appointments to go back for ultrasounds and all of that. And what God spoke to me when I was in that hotel room over and over and over again, and even as we came home, and just this, this scripture that he just poured over me was, he says in Psalm 32, 7, you, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. And then it says, I will surround you with shouts of victory. Other version says, I will surround you with songs of deliverance, songs of victory. Over and over again, you are my hiding place. And he was. Yes, Maurice held me in my seat, and I'm so thankful for a very strong husband and a very selfless husband. But God is my protector, right? He is the one that protected me. He wrapped me up and held me in my seat. He wrapped Maurice up. He wrapped our car up. And as we rolled and then chaos is ensuing and I have a baby, he just tucked us in. He said, I am your hiding place. And something that just spoke to me so deeply was that when it says not only is he our hiding place, when we go into the presence of God, thank you, Jesus, that the veil is torn, that we have access into the throne room, that when we go into the presence of God and that he we truly is our hiding place, when there is chaos in your life, when there is trouble in your life, when you don't know what decision to make, when you are confused, when you are frustrated, when you are worn out and exhausted, when you enter into that hiding place, he surrounds us with shouts of victory. He surrounds us with songs of deliverance. Amen? Amen. We have access into that hiding place, right? I just wanted to share that with you. I just, that's been on my heart and my testimony that I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you. And I'm so thankful on this Thanksgiving Sunday that my Jesus died and allowed access into his presence. Amen. Amen. We love you all. I'm going to go get that sweet baby from him so he can preach. And I know he has a word for me. We love you. Amen. Well, it is awesome, awesome, awesome to be in the house of the Lord today. I am thankful that we have the ability to be in church and fellowship together. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to come. It is an absolute blessing. We love this church. Uh, Y'all have no idea how much your prayers mean to us. I remember the first calls after that car accident, probably my second call was to Colby. And I said, man, pray for us. Please, this just happened. We were on our way. Actually, somehow an ambulance found us in the middle of nowhere. But from that ambulance, we had a four-hour drive 
to Nairobi, which was the nearest hospital. And so we were in that ambulance, and I'm thinking, who in the world can I call that are spirit-filled people that can pray with us? And so I'm like, I'm calling Colby and Taylor. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. Uh, I have a word for you today. Uh, I have been praying about this service. As soon as we found out that we were going to be able to, to come back, we have been praying about this service. And I really feel like that God has something to say today. Today I'm going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going, to be in ver- I'm going to start in verse 13. And to give you a little bit of background about what is going on here, we're right in the middle of the Gospels. So Jesus is right now in the middle of his ministry. They are going out all the region. He is declaring who he is. He is healing people. Uh, people are, I mean, miracles are happening. So Jesus is getting famous, right? Everybody's starting to know who, uh, hear about this Jesus, And so they finally get up to the region of Caesarea Philippi, where they're going to continue to do their ministry. And as he gets into that region, Jesus looks to his disciples, and he asks them a very important question. I'm going to pick it up here. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to him, get this, but who do you say that I am? You know, it doesn't matter what everybody else says that Jesus is. You know, yeah, Jesus at this moment, he's getting famous. People are saying, oh, this is who he is, this is who he is. But he comes on an individual basis. I could stay up here all day long and tell you about who I think, who I know Jesus is. I could sit up here all day long, but when it comes to it, it doesn't matter what I say because Jesus is an individual God. Come on, He cares about us on an individual level. So I can stay up here and this is what I believe, this is what your pastor believes, this is what, but when it comes to it, He's gonna come to you and what's He gonna say? Who do you say? Who do you say that I am? That is a question that every single individual from the moment of creation is going to have to answer. Even Satan himself one day is going to have to bow and say he is king of kings and lord of lords. We all have to answer that. And you know what? Our answer, here's what our answer needs to be. Verse 16. So Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. Come on, that needs to be our revelation of Jesus Christ today. He's our soon-coming King. He is our healer. He is my Savior. And guess what? He is the Son of the living God. But the understanding and knowing who Jesus is needs to take up, I mean, that needs to be everything that we are. Come on, the revelation of who Jesus is, that's how I wake up in the morning. That's how I start my day is knowing who my Jesus is. And it has to take up our complete identity. We were, we were doing ministry over in uh, a region. Actually, it was Nicara. And I have done ministry in this area before. Most of the time when we go out and we do BOMA ministry, which is going from village to village, telling people about Jesus, we go to areas where nobody has ever heard the name of Jesus. Because that's our heart. We want to go where nobody can get to, where nobody has gone. Well, I got a call from a pastor, and they wanted me to go do ministry up in this area called Nicara. 
And I've, I've been there before. I've done ministry before. But whenever a pastor calls me, whatever I can do to help, I want to help. I want to help build up the indigenous church. And then so he got a hold of me. He said, I want you to come do kind of a church revitalization. So during this church revitalization, I said, I'd love to. We'll do it. Uh, they had actually, they had stones laid out where they were going to build the church. And it wasn't a very big church, but they had asked me if I could come build it and then get people excited about it. So we start going in, in all kinds of different directions. I'm going to tell you what, my wife is a rock star. I, I struggle on these roads and she is like pregnant, pregnant, going on these roads, getting out of the car and preaching the gospel. And I'm barely getting along. So rock star, I just had to say that. But we, we were, we're getting out, we're doing ministry, we're telling people about Jesus, and I can tell that they have had some sort of presentation of the gospel message, because as I'm speaking, you know, I can see that, oh, the light's coming on, they've heard, they've heard about Jesus before. But, you know, like I said, you know, there are people that have heard about Jesus, but haven't accepted him. So we're still going and doing ministry, and we're seeing some awesome results. People are hearing about him. Uh, people are getting saved, and God is just doing some mighty things. We even had some healings while we were doing the ministry there. Well, we're on our way to the church. I'm going to end the ministry day by doing a service at where they had the outline of that church. And that's how we were going to end it. We were going to do ministry, get them excited about the, uh, the church plant. But right before we did, we stopped at one more BOMA. And when we got to that BOMA, there was a, an elder of the BOMA, and then he had all of his wives and his children. Had about three wives and a lot of kids. And so we were excited about doing this. We start talking to him about Jesus. And I can tell that this guy just kind of shuts me off. He doesn't really care about what I'm saying uh, and really doesn't want to, to accept Jesus. So I start talking to his family. His family gets saved. All of them accept Jesus. And I turn to this guy because I know that eventually they're going to follow the leader of their house. So yes, they're going to give their heart to Jesus, but man, if this guy doesn't get saved, these guys don't have a dog's chance. And so I'm like, I pull this guy aside, and I start talking to him. I'm like, you know what? What sin are you holding on to that you don't want to accept what we have today? And then he gives me the runaround. I've heard it all, honestly. I've heard it all. He gives me the runaround to why he can't be saved. He's too old to be saved, all this other stuff. And I go, I get frustrated because, you know, I can't force anybody to get saved. My job, I present the truth. After that, you do with it what you will. So I can't force anybody to get saved. So I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk to your family here, and I want him to know. I was like, I'm going to pray over your family because they're going to get the blessings of God. You got nothing part of this. So I'm going to pray for your family. So I prayed for his family. Uh, we, we prayed for blessings, and then we left to go to the church. As we were doing the ministry in the church, I get a call from this guy. And actually, I think we have a picture of him somewhere. Do we have a picture of him? It's probably out of order. This guy right here. That's the elder of this, of this BOMA. We get a call from this guy, and he wants me to come back to his BOMA after we did the ministry. And I'm like, okay, this is great. Maybe he wants to get saved. It was a long way, but, man, one person is worth it. So we go back over that long path. We get there. As I am getting out of the car, he gets on his knees, and he raises both hands. I walk up to him, and he goes, I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ. He goes, I did, I did not want you to leave. I did not want you to leave and know that I had accepted Jesus. Man, Jesus was working on him. So I led him to the Lord, and I finally I, I picked him up, gave him a huge hug, and I said, Brother, what is your name? I want to know your name. Welcome to the family. And he goes, something I have never heard before, and I probably won't ever hear since. No Messiah has ever done this to me before. 
But he goes, you know what? I don't want to give you my name because my name represents the man I used to be. The man that I was, the evil, sinful man I was, I don't want to give you that name. So today, you give me my name, and that's the name I'm going to live by. So I named him Gideon. I was like, you know what? Your name's Gideon. You're going to be a warrior for Jesus. You're going to lead people to him. But I'm going to tell you what. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Is he enough to forget about all your identity that you were, leave all that in the past, and go, you know what? I identify with Jesus Christ. That's, that's my identity. That's what I want to be remembered by. Not all of my accomplishments, not all the things I've done. I want to be remembered by one man, and that's my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to continue here in, in the verse because what I love about this passage and what I want to get across to you today is we, it's time we know something about kingdom living. Now more than ever, we need to understand the kingdom that we are a part of and how to operate within that kingdom. And Jesus, in like six verses that I'm going to be reading to you today, in six verses, not only does he set up the foundation of his kingdom, but he also tells us how to operate and live in that kingdom. And so I'm, I'm going to continue on here. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to, remember we're talking to Peter, Jesus said and answered to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You know, this, this passage of Scripture has been so misinterpreted over the, the generations. I mean, there are entire denominations who have misinterpreted this passage. Okay, Peter is not the rock that the church was built upon. It's not. The, 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 basically, the foundation of the kingdom, the rock of the church, is the revelation that Peter had. The revelation of Jesus is what? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that revelation, does Jesus build his church? That's the cornerstone of everything. And then what does he say next? He uses a lot of imagery in this passage, and I love it because that's how I learn imagery. He goes, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my kingdom. You know, oftentimes when we, when we read this passage, we kind of amplify the devil in our minds. When they were in the region of Caesarea Philippi, this was actually a very wicked area in the day. As a matter of fact, uh, there were uh, they had built a temple to the god Pan in that area. And there was a river that flowed into this cave, and this cave was supposed to be the gates to hell. It was, it was like a, a, a pit that the river flowed into, and they would make sacrifices and throw sacrifices into that cave to the god Pan. So the enemy has a huge, huge stronghold in this area. People are deceived. This is a wicked area. And so when, he, when he's talking to his disciples and he says the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it, right then and there, the disciples know what he's talking about. Man, I can see him pointing to it. But I want you to think about what a gate is for just a moment. Because when we go to war, we're not dropping gates over the enemy. We're not flying over the enemy just dropping gates, right? We don't go to war with gates. Gates are not an offensive weapon. Come on. 
Gates are a defensive tool. Gates are meant to keep things out. So when, when, when Jesus is pointing at this wickedly oppressed area where Satan's got a stronghold, what's he saying? He's going, guess what, guys? Not even the enemy's defenses. You hear me? Not even the defenses of the enemy are going to keep out the advancement of my people. It doesn't matter how dark an area is. It doesn't matter the stronghold the enemy has. It doesn't matter how many sick people are in that area. Come on. No, nothing is going to stop the advancement of my kingdom. My people are going to kick that gate down. We're going to kick that gate open. And guess what? There's going to be souls saved. And I have one more picture I want to show you today because when I, when I read this scripture, I mean, it came to life in my mind. This gate is a, is a gate in Nyrock County. Nyrock is the nearest city near, near us where we live out in the bush. It's about an hour away. But at this city, there is a lar- it's one of, the, one of the larger prisons in Kenya. People from all over the country goes to that prison. Well, we have never done prison ministry, never had the opportunity to do prison ministry, but we, one of our students who graduated from our Bible college started to make connections with the warden there, started to make connections with the higher-ups, and she got a door, a foot in her door, to go in and do ministry at this prison. And so she called us and said, do you have a team that can do this? And I said, I would love to do it, love to. Uh, we had never had the opportunity to do it. We got soap and all kinds of stuff that we could actually give the, the, the inmates that were at that prison. But when we got there, this was, there was this big gate. And that was all we could take pictures of. That was it. Uh, everything past that, I'm going to tell you what, it was one of the most oppressed places I have ever been to in my entire life. I mean, we had to, literally, that was the only picture that we got out of the entire ministry because we had to, I mean, strip everything there. I couldn't even bring my Bible in there. They let us bring the soaps in, but that was it. And so we, we, we were able to go in there, and I'm going to tell you what, hopelessness is what I felt. Hopelessness. And where the enemy had a stronghold, I love it. Love it. Where the enemy had a stronghold, I'm going to tell you what, we were able to march through those gates where the gospel had never been reached to. Come on. And Jesus did something that day. There were, there were inmates that were listening to us uh, that could not get out of their cell. There were inmates that were able to come to the service. But I'm going to tell you what, there were people there that gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because not even the defenses... Come on, not even the defenses of the enemy are going to prevail against the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's our kingdom, guys. That's our kingdom. All right, I'm going to keep going. That's point two. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to end in verse 19, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here we just got done with the imagery of of the gates, and now he's giving us imagery of keys. Okay, and when you think about keys, what do you think of? Right, what do keys represent? Keys represent ownership, and they represent authority. If you have the the keys to a car, either, you know, they were given to you or that's your car. 
you have the right to be there. When, when, when you're given key, when you have keys to your house, okay, you, that's either your house, you have the authority to be in that house, to move in that house, to operate in that house, or you own the house. Come on. So when, when, when Jesus is, says, I have given you the keys to the kingdom, Jesus is saying, I've given you ownership in this thing. I've given you authority to operate in my kingdom as I would operate in this kingdom. Just like Jesus owns the house, come on, he's given us the opportunity and the authority to do and use just as he would walk into the house. But here's the, one of the biggest injustices to the victory of Jesus and what he gave us is when we as Christians leave the keys in our pocket. And so many times I see it. So many times I see it. So many times I see there, uh, people are going through it. But God has given us the ability to go through it. But what have they done? They're leaving the keys in the pocket. Jesus offers a way through and out, and not only just to barely get by it, not only just to barely get through it, but man, to come over this thing in victory. He's given you the keys to the kingdom to whatever bind on earth to be bound and whatever to loose in heaven to be loosed. That means you need healing. Man, God's already offered it. God gave it to you. All you got to do is get the keys out of your pocket. You unlock that door and you go through it. Go get it. Just like you'd go into the house, open the fridge. My mama doesn't care when I, open the, when I go in the house and open the fridge. It's there. I know that I've got the authority to be there and get whatever out of the fridge I want to get. Come on, our Heavenly Father is no different. Our Heavenly Father is no different. You want to go in? God's offered you healing. God's given us finances. Come on. You just walk in, open the door, and go get it. Come on, get on our knees. I'm going to do this for you right here. Get on our knees. When, something is when the enemy is coming at us, when sickness is looming at the door, when financial struggles are looming at the door, do we coward or do you get on your knees Reach up to heaven with our keys. And Lord, unlock that. And it's not because of anything special about us, but it's only, it's only because Jesus has already given us access. Come on, we're not trying to command God around. That's not what this is about. That's, that's not at all what this is about. This is just simply grabbing what Jesus has already given us. What he's already done. The victory that has already been won. That's it. That's our kingdom. That's what we're a part of. That's my family. That's my God. That's our kingdom. Not only does he give us access to that, but he gives us the ability to operate within it. But too many times... Do we leave those keys in our pocket? And today, and I, I hope it's okay, Pastor, I'm going to do an altar call. Go right ahead, sir. Could, could I have a yes? Thank you. 
Today, if you need breakthrough in your life, if you need whatever it might be, whether it's healing for you or somebody else, if you need breakthrough in your life, you need financial victory in your life, it might seem like you have been going through it for far too long. Guess what? Jesus has offered a way. And today is the day to get those keys out of your pocket. Get them out of your pocket and guess what? Let's access all the things that God has given us. Let's access the storehouse of God. Because Jesus has offered breakthrough today and it's for you. It's for you. I'm going to enter to a time of prayer, and if that is you today, and you're like, you know what? That's me. That's me, Maurice. I need victory in my life. I need to get the keys out of my pocket for me, my family. Then I want you to come up for it while I'm praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you are so good to us. We thank you that you have offered a way to go into, be into your kingdom. And God, we thank you that not only did you give us access to be in that kingdom, but Father, you have given us the ability, you have given us the authority, you have given us ownership in this kingdom so that we can operate as you would operate on this earth. Father, that we don't have to just go through this life barely getting by, barely getting through it. But Father, we can live a victorious lifestyle. We can live a victorious life over the, the gates of the enemy, bust that thing down, and keep on pressing through. Not because of anything good about us. Not because we are, oh man, look at that, we're so great. No, Father God, but we humbly go before you and we thank you. We thank you that this is because of you. Man, it's all about you. It's all about you. And Father God, we consecrate ourselves before you. And Lord Jesus, today we lift up. We reach up. We are reaching up with our keys that you have given us. And today we're unlocking it. We're unlocking the victory. We're unlocking the healing. Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast.